Little Johnny goes to Sunday school. And the Sunday school teacher has these cards. And they have pictures of animals on them. She holds up the elephant. And she asks the little kids, What do you see in this picture? Johnny immediately put up his hand. And he says, Jesus. And the teacher says, That's really good, Johnny. But why do you say Jesus? Because I know it's an elephant, but in Sunday school, everything is Jesus. Sometimes we adults think that way, but I wonder how much we understand about Jesus. So today's sermon, and uh, Silva's cousin, her, uh, his husband, his, his, his wife's brother, uh, would always ask me whenever he would see me, Haney, Haney, what did you preach today? Or if it's before the service, he, was, he would ask me, what are you going to preach about today? And my response was always, Coco, I'm going to preach about Jesus. And he would look at me and smile. And this would go on. After a while, he would come and ask me again. And then I look at him and he goes, I know, I know, Jesus. And he would walk away. <laughs> so today I'm actually preaching about Jesus. And who is Jesus? Or better yet, not just who, but what is he? What is he? The Bible makes it very clear for us when we read it that Jesus has two natures. And this actually became a very controversial discussion. At one point in history, in the fourth century, there was a council, a gathering of key leaders from different nations. At the time, the church was all one. And... Uh, there were just different leaders and different bishops and archbishops and, and heads of the different churches of the different nations. And now we can see that. We, you know, you have the Ukrainian Orthodox Church. You have the Armenian, or the Greek Orthodox, the, uh, the different churches from the different parts of the world. They had all come together and discussing who and what is the nature of Jesus. Some were saying, that he is God. And some were saying that he was human. And some were saying he was both. And they debated it and debated it. And finally they came to a consensus. And they agreed with a couple of dissenters. That a couple of dissenters. People that did not agree. And they separated themselves. They agreed that God or excuse me, Jesus was fully God. That's a huge statement. And he was fully human. Many of us relate to his humanity. Many of us think of him in the picture of the shepherd knocking the door, or the shepherd holding that little baby sheep with other sheep around him, if you've seen those little cards. I had one of those when I was in Sunday school. My teacher gave me a little card. It was of Jesus, this man with long hair and a beard and long robes, holding a baby sheep, a lamb. And around him there were other sheep. And it was the Psalm 23 on the back of it. And that's sort of helped me picture it. Some of us may have seen other pictures of Jesus kneeling at, this, uh, you know, at a big rock praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. We can relate to his humanity. 
we can easily relate to his humanity. We have pictures or we have little creches, these nativity scenes that we put out on during the Christmas season. And we have this little tiny baby Jesus inside the manger. And we can relate, we can picture him in his humanity. But what about his deity? What about his divinity? Jesus is one person. He's not this multiple personality individual. He is one person that is both, that contains, if you will, both natures at the same time. And these are the divine nature and the human nature. He was 100% physical like you and me. If you cut him, he would bleed, and he did. If he didn't eat for a while, he would get hungry, and he did. When he was fasting, he fasted 40 days, and he was hungry. He was thirsty. You could say that that was all before his death and resurrection. But after his resurrection, when he had this glorified body, he entered the room through the wall. He had this different nature now about his body. And when he entered through the wall, one of the first things that he asked the disciples was, do you have anything to eat here? He went and joined them and actually ro roasted, barbecued some fish on the seashore. He's very much human. But let's talk about his duality. Let's talk about that today. So, pull up your phones. Or if you have a paper Bible, pull it up. But if you don't, even if you have your paper Bible, pull up your phone and turn your camera on and capture this. Don't take a picture. When you have your camera on, you're going to see something on the bottom of your uh, camera below this icon, below this QR code. Do you see that little word that says Bible? Click that and it will open up your Bible app or it will open up your app store on an iPhone or your Google Play store on your Android and you'll be able to download this app. If you have your Bible app, this should take you straight into it. I'm just wanting to make sure that we all have it on our phones. Okay? So, we're going to jump through a bunch of scriptures today, and I need you to be able to follow along on your Bible app. Why? Because in your Bible app, you can highlight. You can tap the verse and give it a color. Shade it, right? Highlight it. You can also do other things, but that's for next week. Okay? Next week, I'm going to show you a Bible memory app. Okay? I'm going to show you a Bible memory app that I started to use. I mean, I've been memorizing scripture for a long time. Uh, but this one is really handy. And we can do it as a group. And we can compete with one another to see who remembers or memorizes more verses. And then maybe we'll have a prize. Or maybe we won't. Challenge. Okay. So, everybody have their app open? Some of you may have to log into your app store to be able to download it or your Google Play store to download it. But either way, I hope you have it open. Okay. Uh, what am I doing here?
First uh, verse we're going to go to is John verse chapter 1, verse 1 through 18. So I'm going to open my Bible app here on the the, uh, computer, on the iPad rather, and I'm going to go to Bible, and I'm going to, just to show you how it's done, follow along. John the Gospel, yeah, chapter 1 and verse 1. Now, I'm opening the NIV, but if you have other language preferences, you can actually tap up here and you can change your language. I know some of you will prefer to see it in Farsi, so there's Farsi there. Can you see that? Right? Can you see that? You can go to Farsi, and when you go to Farsi, you will have a bunch of different Farsi versions here at the bottom. You have the old version. You have the Kitab Muqaddas Tajama Ma'asir, which is a new translation. Uh, which one? Hizari No. That's okay. That one there is the equivalent of the new uh, international version. Uh, version. So I'm going to go back to my English, and I'm going to read this together. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word, in, in Greek the word for word is logos, and the Word was God. He, this Word, was with God in the beginning. Through Him, this Word, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Think about that for a minute. In him was light, that was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. So this John here is writing about Jesus. He's telling us something about the nature of Jesus. Do you see it the way I see it here? He's talking about not the humanity, because at the very beginning was the Word, and there was no human creation yet. He was involved in the creation of all things that had been made, including the sky, the heavens, the stars. He was God. He makes it very clear that this Word We haven't understood who the word is yet, but he's telling us that this word was the creator. This word had life in him. This word was living. It wasn't just a stagnant, on-the-shelf word waiting to become something. It was actually very active, very involved, very productive, very alive. And this life that was in it became our light. What does that mean? Our wisdom, our understanding, our focus, our direction, our everything that we live in. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. In this world, there's darkness all around us. I remember I may have shared this with you earlier. Luke, Remy's son, when he was younger would be kind of afraid of the dark. And one time I had him with me, and we had gone to my print shop, and the lights were all off, and he was like staying in the brightest area that he could find. 
And I wanted him to go into the darkest spot because I wanted to teach him something about darkness and about adjustment. So I said, Luke, let's go into the back. He says, you go ahead. I said, no, no, come on with me. I'm going to show you something. Okay. I held his hand. I walked to the back. He was young then, man. I can't even hold his hand and drag him anywhere now. If you've seen him, he's just like a big, strong man. Anyway, I grabbed his hand. And I said, now close your eyes because I'm going to show you something. You can actually overcome that darkness. He says, what? I said, just close your eyes. I'll hold your hand. There's nothing to be concerned or afraid of. Let's walk into the dark room together. So we walk into the dark room. I said, keep your eyes closed for a second, for a little bit longer, for a little bit longer, a little bit longer. Now open your eyes. He goes, wow, I can see. I said, yeah. Why? Because you closed your eyes long enough that your pupils now have opened up and you're receiving more light into your eyes than you would if you just came in out of a bright space and came in. And it's like that with this darkness. The darkness and the light of Christ, nothing can overcome him. His pupils are so wide open, as it were, that he can actually see within the darkness and the darkness will not overtake him. So I, I showed this to Luke a few times. I said, now let me open the light. I turned the light on. I'm going to close it now. Tell me if you can see anything. After the light was on for a while, his pupils started to shrink. So I turned the lights off again. He goes, I can't see. I can't see. I said, relax. Close your eyes. He closed his eyes. Wait. Wait. Now open them. Wow, I can see. So we played this game for a while, and it illustrates this verse. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overtaken it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, John the Baptist, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to the, everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and through the world was, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Why? Because the darkness is just so dark. People don't see him. He came so that, to that which was his own, but his, not, his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, have you received him? Have you believed in his name? Look what he says. He gave the right to become children of God. So, I'm going to show you today through these verses that Jesus is both God, divine, and human. Combined. United. One. You and I are born human. We're born in darkness. Our sinful nature we've inherited from Adam. But he has given us the ability to step out of just that nature that is sinful and dying to step into a different nature a different adoption move it out of one family we haven't left that family we're still in that family called adam but we are now both in adam and in christ and in christ he gives us the ability the right 
not just the ability, but the right. You know, I have in my wallet, I have a little plastic card that says driver's license. That gives me the right to drive a car on the roads in Ontario and other places. But without that, I don't have the right. I could be a perfect driver. But without that license, I'm unqualified. I don't have the right. Children born not of natural descent, which we already have been born, nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and was made and, and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. That's a tough word. His glory. What is his glory? I've spoken to you about this a number of times already. His glory is really the expression of his presence visible. It's a good way of remembering it. The visible expression of his presence. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have received, we have all received grace in place of grace already. What, what, what? Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, great and truth. And, and he goes on. No one has ever seen God. Have you ever seen God? Actually, the Bible says, who can see God and live? No one has ever seen God, but the one and only son who, him, who is himself God. John is telling us that this word that became human, that took on flesh, that was born on earth, was forever God. Now, as we go through these verses, some of the understanding that we have about Jesus being God or the Son of God may actually become a little bit uncomfortable, may actually be needing adjustment because somehow... Some Christians think that Jesus being the Son of God is a mini-God. You know, he's like, there's God and there's mini-me or mini-God, Jesus. But no, he's not. He's not just the Son of God. That's just our name for him. But he's fully, fully, fully God. Who is himself God. He's not a second God. He's not a miniature God. He's not the follow or the, the what do you call it, the runner-up God. He is God in fullness, God. And is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. So going back to our scripture here. Oops, where are we going? Jesus is equal to God. Jesus equals God. And this is the challenge that many other religions have. They don't know how to quantify Jesus in this way. They talk about Jesus as being a good man. But they never make the jump. A good prophet. But they never make the jump. A good healer. A miracle worker. But they never make the jump. 
The reality is, Jesus is God. Fully, fully God. Let's turn to Philemon, or sorry, Philippians. You know how to get there? You hit the, the top of the bar. If, if it's hiding, you just scroll down a little bit and you'll see it. And you hit Philippians. We're going to go to chapter 2, verse 5. Look what Paul writes. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God. Paul was very clear about who Jesus was. He wasn't thinking of Jesus as an expression of God, as a representation of God. He knew him as God. He has the very nature of God. Did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage, to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. So this God now has come in, we call that incarnation. Incarnation is a big word, but have you ever had chili con carne? What is that? It's beans in a soup or a stew with ground beef. That's the carne. Con with, is with, carne is meat or flesh. Incarnation means entering into flesh. So God became incarnate, God became in flesh and became visible. Found, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Let's jump to another verse. So, so far we're seeing that he's God, he's equal to God, he has the appearance, he's taken on the appearance of humanity. So maybe we think of him now a little bit differently, maybe we think of him as God pretending to be human. You know, shapeshifter. We'll get to that. Let's go to Colossians, the next book, chapter 1, verse 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God. So He came to earth to help us understand that unseen God by us seeing him in his humanity. The firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were, create, were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the, and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have supremacy. Why? Because he's just that kind of a guy? No, because he's God. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. Not just a subset. Not just a small portion of God dwelt in Jesus. All of God 
was dwelling in Jesus. And through him, to reconcile to himself, to restore the relationship with God. Through Jesus, Jesus became the door for all of creation to become reconciled, relationship restored, back into good fellowship, back into good books. Reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth, creation that has now been corrupted, humanity that is sinful, animals that are savage and kill each other, germs that cause, viruses that cause human sickness. He's going to reconcile all of that to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven. He's going to reconcile the heaven with the angels that dwell in it, some of them will be judged and they will be put into their judgment by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. We haven't even talked about that yet. Let's go to the next verse, Hebrews. Chapter 1, verse 1. The writer of the Hebrews is trying to help us understand who this Jesus is. And he says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, what is God speaking, by the way? Not what is he speaking, but what is the speaking of God? The speaking of God is the expression of his mind and his heart. So God expressed his mind to our ancestors. In the past, he expressed his heart. He showed his mind and his will to them. He made himself plain, as it were, through prophets. Prophets would speak and they would help people understand who God is, what does God want, how do we relate to God, all of that. So he says in the past, he spoke through prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us through his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. So this person called the Son of God who was born during our Christmas celebrations 2,000 plus years ago has entered humanity but he was the one who created all things. He was the God creator. Not the God creator, the creator God. He was the one that made all things. Let's go back to our slides. So Jesus is equal to God. He has attributes that are unique to God. There we go. He has attributes that are unique to God. He does things only God does. And let's look at this next verse. Open up with me, Matthew. So we scroll down a little bit on the verses. Open up Matthew, chapter 26. 
and go down to verse 63. Let's go back a little bit. Then the high priest stood up and said to Jesus, Aren't you going to answer? What is this testimony that these bring, men bring, bringing, are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent. The high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. And Jesus responds, You have said so. But I say to you all, to all of you, from now on you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Jesus is sharing something about himself. He's opening things up. Let's jump down to John chapter 8 and go down to verse 58. Verily, verily, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. What is Jesus saying about himself here? He's saying that he was the I am that met with Moses. He was before Abraham. Abraham was way before Moses. He was way before Abraham. And let's jump again to chapter 10 in John. Verse 30. The Jews who were, going back to verse 24, the Jews who were there gathered around him saying, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you're the Messiah, tell us plainly. And Jesus says, I did tell you, but you did not, do not believe. The works that I do, I do, excuse me, the works I do in my Father's name testify about me. These are the works that only God could do. But you do not believe because you're not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice, I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. You know, we read that sometimes, With our filters. When Silva and I got married, we were told that we were one. But come visit us at home any day and listen to our arguments, listen to our agreements, and you know we're two individuals. Anybody relate to that? You're one as a couple, but you're two. It's not like that with God. It's not like that with Jesus and the Father. It's not like that with the Father and the Son. They are totally one. One in thought. As God, Jesus is exactly like the Father. The Father and Jesus are one. There is no multiple gods. And that's what confuses some people. That we're talking about a three-legged God. No, He's one God. He's united. He's one, not even united. United like is what Silva and I are. We're united. They're one, totally, inseparably, identically. And let's jump down to John 17, verse 5. Scroll back a little bit. And this is now Jesus praying to his Father. And here we begin to see part of his humanity coming through. 
Jesus or is saying to the Father, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. What does that mean? Glorify means make glorious. Let, your, let, let glory shine out. What is glory? It is the expression of God's presence. So he's saying, express your presence, Father, through your Son. Oh, glorify your Son means Father in heaven, perfect God. In me now, express yourself. That your Son may glorify you. That I may express your presence amongst the people that are now watching me get crucified. You follow that. He's saying, Father, the nature, the character, the fullness of who you are, express it now in me as I go to the cross. So that as I go to the cross, what I express is your fullness. Glorify me, your son, that I, your son, may glorify you. It is about the fullness of the expression of God on the cross. Yes, it's a man hanging on the cross, but that man has a different nature built into him. Next week, we're going to look at the humanity of Jesus. But today, I want to sort of refresh us on the deity of Jesus. He's 100% God. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to those who have, you have given him. Now this is eternal life. That they know you, the one true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is what eternal life is. That as we connect with Jesus, why are we singing all these songs when we come here every Sunday? Why are we spending time in the small groups delving into the word? Because we're trying to understand who this Jesus is in a deeper way. And this is what gives us eternal life. This understanding that this Jesus represents, is fully God in all that he is. This is eternal life, that they know you. So when we get to know Jesus, we're getting to know the Father. When we're seeing Jesus and his miracles, when we experience healing and touches of Jesus through his spirit, we're actually touching, experiencing, touching the glory, stepping into the glory of the presence and the, express, the expression of the presence of God in a tangible way in this human existence. I have brought you glory on earth. I have brought your expression of the expression of your presence on earth. In other words, I have opened a channel. I've opened a portal where your glory, your presence expressed in heaven, that which the angels see and dance around and worship. I've opened a pathway, a channel, a portal, a funnel for that glory that is sitting on the throne in heaven to be visible and expressed in a way that these humans can begin to understand it. I brought your glory on earth by finishing the work you have given me to do. Now, Father, glorify me in your presence with, with glory I had with you before the world began. So on the cross, he's saying to God the Father in his humanity, in his deity, he's saying the glory 
the express presence of myself in you in eternity past that I had now that I'm on earth in this act of going to the cross more than feeding the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish more than helping Peter walk on the water more than raising the dead Lazarus more than raising that little dead boy on his in, on his coffin that his mother was mourning about more than giving sight to the blind healing the leper more than any of these miracles more than turning water to wine more than anything this one act of me going to the cross is going to bring the glory the expression of my presence eternally here on earth in a very tangible way so think about these things this week if you've highlighted them go back and read these verses Discuss them in your small groups. Discuss them with other people. Make notes about them. Put them on the chats. Who is Jesus? He is God. Fully. Eternally. Before he had flesh. Before he came to earth. He was God. He is God. He will always be God. We think of him as just what a friend we have in Jesus. We think of him as just that nice, kind, gentle shepherd. He is all that. That's part of his character as God. But he's also a consuming fire. He is also the judge. He will also judge the living and the dead. He has earned the right to judge. We'll come back to that next week. But in the meantime, this week, Soak in this understanding. Come prepared next Sunday to hear more about Jesus so that we together get our minds realigned to know who it is we're singing to, who it is we're worshiping, who it is we're sharing with other people, who it is we're carrying everywhere we go. Because we carry His presence in us. Broken vessels, wounded, messed up, imperfect, but we carry the presence of God in us. Let's stand up and pray. Jesus, you have made it so easy to relate to God. You've made that eternal judge, the creator, the big God of all creation, the judge of all things, so reachable, so approachable, so relatable. But we don't want to forget who you are. We don't want to neglect the reality of your deity. We don't want to minimize who you are as God. We don't want to become so familiar with you that we treat you with contempt or with neglect or anything of the sort. So Lord, open our minds and our hearts to understand who you are as God. 
show up in our lives this week in powerful, miraculous ways that we encounter not Jesus, just our friend, but Jesus, our God. Speak to us through one another, through your word, through circumstances. Change us. Restore the reverence that we had to have for you back into its right place. We thank you for those other traditions in your church that revere you so much that they act just like the angels in calling you holy, holy, holy at all times. Forgive us when we have made light of your presence when we talk about what a friend we have in Jesus, but we forget how holy you are. So Lord, yes, we are friends. We are children. You are daddy to us. You're a friend to us. You're a big brother, Jesus. And we thank you for all you've done to open the way for all that to happen. Now walk with us through this week. Guide us. Stretch us. Fill us with your glory. The glory that Jesus, you prayed the Father would give those who follow you. And may that glory be expressed through us everywhere we go. In our relationships with one another, in our relationships with those that we meet for the first time and those that we have known for a long time, with our friends, with our relatives, and even our enemies. Magnify yourself, glorify yourself, express yourself in us and through us. We pray in Jesus' name.